0: Just in the bulletin, Luke 23, 32 to 49. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to, with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up, his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today will be, will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Watching these things.
1: Well, Scott's already prayed, but I'm going to pray briefly, and then we'll uh, think think about this passage. Let's pray. And Lord, we thank you for this time that you've gathered us this morning as your people. And Lord, we pray that we'd help you'd help us to understand a bit more about what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we thank you for uh, this word that we can read it, I think carefully about it, and build our lives on that great event and we pray for these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, for many in Australia, Good Friday is good because it's a public holiday. And as such it represents a time to enjoy uh, the good life as they say. Some freedom from work, perhaps spending some Uh, time with some good friends and enjoying uh, good food and fun together and just to relax myself as I come up here and speak when I say good food I don't mean veggie burgers for those of you know me I like some meat in the burger now I like a holiday just as much as the next person a public holiday but I also think it's worth while thinking about uh, the depth of meaning it goes with this day, since our society sets it aside as a public holiday to enjoy. Now, in my research over the years, I've discovered that there wasn't always a Good Friday. It's true. Uh, for a long time, the Jews had actually celebrated their pastor, Passover festival as they remembered their salvation out of slavery in Egypt. But as the early church grew up, they also wanted to remember a key event in their their calendar as well. And so, around the time that the Passover was celebrated, the early Christians were the ones who celebrated first Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. Good Friday remembering the crucifixion of Jesus, and then Easter Sunday remembering the resurrection. But the question we want to wrestle with today is, what is the significance of the crucifixion of Jesus? And why would the church refer to that day that Jesus was crucified as good? Why Good Friday? Well, to get some answers to those sort of questions, it's worth uh, thinking through what Luke has told us in his gospel. And so we're going to come to that passage which we read earlier. uh, But before, I want to give a little bit of context. The Jews had lived in the land we know as Palestine, but... At the time of Jesus, they were still being ruled by their Roman overlords. They didn't like that very much. And so as they looked back on their history, they remembered the the glory days when God ruled over them, and he did that by means of his kings. Kings like King David and King Solomon. Now, although they had um, later experienced some exile from the land because of their disobedience, God allowed them later to return as well. But things were still difficult for them. They still longed to have one of God's kings lead them, an anointed king, a king from the line of David, as was promised in the Old Testament. And so at the time of Jesus, there was still an expectation that things could be much better than they were, that God's kingdom would come. Even in conversation, uh, some of them said to each other, they hoped that someone was going to redeem Israel. So there was this expectation at the time that things would be much better for them in terms of kingship, instead of having the Romans, that they'd have God reigning through his king. Well, they hoped they were going to be free from the Romans and enjoy God's reign over them once again. But by the time we come to today's passage, we learn that Jesus, they were expecting to be their king. He'd already ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey and he received much acclaim as people threw down the palm branches and cried out saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The problem was that he was a different kind of king to what they were expecting. And he was rejected by their leaders and later rejected by the people. In fact, by the time we get towards the crucifixion, Jesus had been arrested on a trumped-up charge of opposing paying taxes to Caesar and also for claiming to be a king. But the governor at the time, the Roman governor Pilate, found no basis for charge against Jesus. Yet later, under pressure from the Jews, he granted their request that Jesus be crucified. And at that time... Jesus was ridiculed. We're told that he was dressed in an elegant purple robe because kings wore purple. And the Roman soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and set it upon his head. They began to uh, mock him and mistreat him, call out, Hail, King of the Jews! And then when he was crucified, in the same way that a king might receive a, someone who brings them their cup to drink of, uh, in a mocking way, somebody also is a royal cupbearer for Jesus. And they further insult him by offering him some cheap wine. Well, his royal placard said King of the Jews, and that was to announce his kingship to the world. But it also turns out to be the criminal charge which explained why he was being crucified. So, why would the church then later refer to this event as? good friday well we start to see hints even in the passage that was read before by jacinta one of the things we notice is in the response of people to jesus there's a tension between two different kinds of responses on the one hand we see that people uh, mock him and reject him we see that in verse 35 Uh, such as the people they say he saved others Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. We see also that one of the criminals said the same kind of thing in verse 39. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. And yet, on the other hand, others come to embrace him. They come to trust him. In verse 42, one of the criminals says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in verse 47, we read of the Roman centurion seeing what had happened, praised God, and said, Surely this was a righteous man. So we see this tension between those who reject Jesus and those who accept and embrace him. And it's the view of the second group, those who receive Jesus, that help us to understand why this event could be considered Good Friday. Jesus tells his disciples earlier that his kingdom isn't of this world. We saw that in the comment from one of the criminals who said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And his true royalty starts to shine through in this passage as well. As somebody who's going to be enthroned as king might grant a request from someone to have a a place of honour in the kingdom... Well, this criminal requests a place of honour as well. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And so we learn that Jesus comes to his kingdom through suffering and dying on a cross. And that he also offers people life. And the Bible explains that this this event is of utmost importance and that's why it can be considered Good Friday. This event's actually explained in other parts of the Bible as well. So, for example, in Luke's second volume, the book of Acts, the Apostle Peter speaks to the people about this event. This is what he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 39 to 43. He says, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, But God raised him from the dead and on the third day and caused him to be seen. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. In summary God's Word teaches us that God is a God of justice that he's a holy God that that cannot tolerate sin and he promises to bring the judgment day for how everybody has lived how we've responded to him and yet God knows our situation as well in his kindness and his mercy In His love, He's provided a way for each one of us to be forgiven for our sin against Him. God knows everything. He knows our hearts and nothing surprises Him. He knows that we've each fallen short of uh, serving Him as our God. We've also, as a result of our failure to love and serve Him, we've blundered along in life and made our own mistakes and sinned in all manner of ways we've all failed to live up to our calling as the people he's created us to be. But in his love, he sends his son to be our saviour. And so we see that Jesus comes into the world and he willingly lays down his life as a sacrifice for our sin. Paul writes about it in this way in a passage in Corinthians. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Well if Jesus becomes sin for us that's that's an advantage for us, he becomes our saviour, he saves us from the wrath of God for our sin and it's a mysterious way that that takes place. Uh, God is complex, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and how this actually works out is mysterious but the promises of God remind us that there is forgiveness through this way that God's provided. That's what Peter says in Acts chapter 10, 43. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so there's a great deal of comfort that we can receive as we think about the way God's provided for our salvation. And that was the experience of one of the criminals who was crucified next to Jesus too, wasn't it? he believed in Jesus and he was forgiven of his sins and that day he went to be with the Lord. But in some ways the, the talk gets a little bit tense now because the challenge is for you and I, is it Good Friday for us? And I don't just mean a, a day when we can uh, look forward to good food and friendship, is it good for us because of our response to Jesus and his sacrificial death for us have you come to the point where like that criminal on the cross you've you've come to a living trust in jesus and so you're ready to face god on judgment day or are you still at that point where you're wrestling with where you stand with god and you still need to ask for his forgiveness well at times people do make the change at some point in their life they They do start to think about the way they're going and they do think yes I think I do need to make a change and during the uh, Christmas holidays I spent some time uh, reading some Australian history and as I was reading a story it it actually started to raise the story about somebody who did make a change it was interesting uh, to see this change in this person's life coming from where he began because the uh the reading that i was doing was about australian history and i was reading about the account of the japanese invasion of darwin it was actually a more significant raid than most australians uh, realize more aircraft attacked darwin in the first wave than attacked in pearl harbor in the first Sound coming through. I think I have died out hmm? The red light's gone, so I think that's a leading indicator. I <laughs> know oh, I don't look as cool with that Madonna microphone, but you're just going to have to tolerate for the rest. <laughs> we're right into the Pearl Harbor bit here, too. Okay, now, so um, apparently more bombs were actually dropped. Uh, in Darwin than on Pearl Harbour. I don't know if you know that. And more ships also were sunk in Darwin than in the Pearl Harbour bombing. But only about, which is still, it's a terrible number, 300 people died in that Darwin attack. And the only reason that more people didn't die up there was because most of the town was evacuated at the time of the bombing. Now, as I read the account about this um, part of Australia's history, I also read about one of the pilots uh, from the Japanese Air Force. His name was uh, Mitsuo Fuchida. I'm not sure you'd say it that way in Japanese, but that's that's how I'm going to give my Aussie slang to it. And he was the captain of the squadron that attacked both Pearl Harbour and Darwin. Well, this guy turned out to have some good fortune also. He came down with some appendicitis. And so he ended up missing a pretty significant battle called the Battle of Midway where the Japanese lost four aircraft carriers and uh, one of their destroyers and that was a turning point for the the war. But he was sent home back to Japan and was recovering in hospital from appendicitis. And so he made it through to the end of the war right up until the Japanese got defeated. And an American general, General MacArthur, uh, took over uh, governing Japan in the wake of its defeat. Well, General MacArthur decided he wanted to meet the the squadron leader who bombed both Pearl Harbour and Darwin, and so he ordered this Mitsudo Suo Fuchida uh, to meet with him. Well, this is what the author of the book I read said next. He said, uh, Captain Fuchida's subsequent story is both unexpected and exotic. On his way to the meeting with the general, Fujita was handed a pamphlet on the street by an American Christian missionary. He underwent a profound conversion and became a zealous promoter of Christianity in Japan and later in the United States. I thought, isn't that remarkable to think? Somebody who was from a different culture, a different religion, a different world. He'd been involved in some terrible acts of destruction. But one day he just read a pamphlet on the street. He found out the news about Jesus, and he came a bit like the thief on the cross. He came to a point where he had a living trust in Jesus. He came to know Jesus as his Lord and Saviour, he received forgiveness for his sins and his life was changed both from that point on and also into eternity. Well, I think he was very grateful for for Good Friday, for his salvation. I suppose the challenge for us is to think about our lives as well in relation to Good Friday. Can we look on that event of Jesus' sacrificial death as Good Friday for us as well? Well, I'm certainly glad he did, and I'm going to lead us in prayer now. Let us pray. And Lord God, we do give you thanks for your your wisdom, your love, and your kindness. We thank you for Jesus, who willingly laid down his life uh, for the sins of the world on that Good Friday. And Lord, we do thank you that um, you know our sin and, and the troubles in our lives, and that you extend to us your offer of forgiveness that comes through Christ. And so Lord, we do thank you for providing a way for our salvation uh, to get right with you. And Lord, we thank you that we can uh, hear about this news about what Jesus has done and give due consideration to our response, whether we'll receive your gift and enjoy life with you. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness to us in Christ And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.